What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 43rd, 44th. I don't know what last night's episode was. Probably 43rd. That's probably the 43rd episode of Live Guys Hideaway. I actually did this episode yesterday, and so did Casey. Uh, David's joining us today. He wasn't here yesterday, but uh, yeah, me and Casey did this yesterday, and he was nice enough to give it to me a second time because apparently me and Zoom just don't click yet. It's not like me and Anchor. So uh, yeah, I mean, we're gonna today we're gonna talk Frank Costello. I mean, we're gonna go down the rabbit hole on all sorts of shit. I'm sure. Sure, it's not just going to be about Frank Costello. I pro actually, I promise you, it's not just going to be about Frank Costello. But uh, first, we'll do a round table. Everybody give their shout outs. Everybody say their pieces. And uh, yeah, when it gets back to me, I'll, I'll piss away my turn again. Off to you, Casey. Oh, well, shout out to the National Crime Syndicate and, you know, Craig Timmons out there. Uh, he's a great guy. Got a good thing going there. And uh, also, I guess, a shout out to Gary Jenkins over at Gangland Wire. He's uh, been real good to me, and uh, he also has a lot going on. So if you're interested in this stuff, definitely check him out. And uh, oh, shout out to Michael Mafucci too. I forgot to do that yesterday. He helps me with Uncle Frank's place uh, good immensely. So he's a, on the episode, he's like the fuck, bro. <laughs> so I'm glad I got a chance to 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 make that up anyway. So many people, I'm so happy to be on I'm actually glad you brought out Gary Jenkins as well because this is. Um, it was with Gary that I first started doing video calls. Um, yeah, I watched all those. Those were great. Gary, they yeah, they they come out all right. Actually, they were in the very early days, so um, I got quite a bit used to it more these days. So um, I want to give a shout out, of course, National Crime Syndicate, Casey's very own Uncle Frank's place. Um, if you don't know what it is, it's obviously a place where you go to talk about Frank Costello, um, <laughs> and it's online. You're you're on uh, Facebook and Instagram, I believe, Casey. That's correct, yeah. And of course, I want to give a shout out to my guys over at Gangster Profile and Bad Guy Podcast, and a big shout out to Mob King, Ciro DiPaggio. Ian, over to you, brother. Oh, yeah, I'm a second Ciro right out of the gate. I appreciate the personal shout out the other day. That was cool as fuck. I was on a fucking cell phone tower. That was a really uplifting uh, moment because it was cold. And uh, I want to give a shout out to shit, Boston Rob. He can't be here right now. He, uh, not on the Zoom life yet. He's about as good as, as I was two days ago. And then I'm getting better. But it's, uh, yeah, I'm still having a rough time. Oh, let's see. Shout out to Scott and Burns, uh, you know, the original Gangster Podcast, Art and Clothing Apparel. Shout out to that one motherfucker, South Philadelphia Sam, that came on yesterday and stammered around with me and talked shit about Nikki Stark on Philly and Eddie. Anybody who talks shit about Philly and Eddie with me is a friend of mine. So I appreciate you, Sammy. Paulie G from New York, you know, all the boys, Vincent Apro, because I'm going to, like, half the shit I say that's actually factual probably actually came from him. So, Vincent Apro, 10 out of 10 times. I mean, it, Casey, it's all you, man. It's Costello. This is, I get to relax. <laughs> so, we're, we're talking Frank Costello, huh? Um, I mean, what can I say about the guy? Uh, he was an interesting character, that's for sure. Uh, that's kind of how I got into it. You know, I, was interested in this mob history and if you're I think if you're going to you know delve into that at all it, it won't take long until you come across Frank because um, you know kind of like we talked about yesterday he was involved in so many first of all different eras of you know kind of the classic mob history but also so many you know events that were important in that history you know from the Atlantic City Conference to you know just it goes on and on. He, he was pretty active, you know, from pre-prohibition all the way up to 1973. Uh, and he knew pretty much every major mobster that was out there. And, and he had a lot of reach in different areas of uh, 
uh, United States. You know, he wasn't just in New York. He was pretty big down in New Orleans. He was involved in, in Vegas, uh, all up and down the Eastern Seaboard. So, you know, he's a he's a good character to to kind of study if you're going to be into this because there's a lot that you can you can read. There's lots of pictures. There's even you know video and audio, which is great. You don't get that from a lot of these guys. So. Uh, you know, I pay my taxes. Yeah, exactly. That's you know, probably his most famous quote. But um, yeah, I do got a question for you. Because uh, you said Frank was older, I never thought about it before. But do you think he got a little taste of that money from the nineteen nineteen World Series with good old Arnie Rothstein? I don't you know, know so much older than some of the boys. So like, I had to put him at like, I don't know, he'd been the perfect age to have like, if Arnold would have suggested that, do you think? I'm just wondering. And if not, I'm starting this. No, I mean, it's a good question. I've never seen it because I've, I've asked myself the same question. I've never uh, seen anything uh, or heard any stories about him being involved in that at that time. I think that might be just a little bit before he got hooked up with Rothstein, you know, because right when Prohibition hit, like I said, um, Frank had gotten out of jail on a gun charge. And that's there's a big myth kind of about uh, <laughs> He never carried a gun after that. And he decided when he got out of jail, he was going to use his brains instead of, you know, brawn. Um, I don't know exactly how true that is. If he never really did carry a gun after that, that, you know, that's up for debate, but that's the, the story. But right after that happened, he hooked up with a guy named Harry Horowitz and uh, they started the, the punch card business, you know, where you, you, you punch a little card and if you get the winning number, it comes with like a Cupid doll. And if you get the winning number, you can get a, like a, like a nickel or something, whatever it was at the time. So they were manufacturing those and the Cupid dolls that went with it. And they did that for a year and they, they ended up making about a little over 200 grand, which was a lot of money back wow. then, especially yeah. for Costello. He was a young man at that time. Uh, and, uh, but immediately after the, by that first year, they declared bankruptcy and it's, um, that's kind of an old mob, trick you know they they bust out all their debts to their friends they declare bankruptcy and then the friends give them their money back you know with a little bit of a cut on that so frank okay. had a, a big sum of money right there at the beginning of prohibition that he needed something to do with it and then, you know it was the time was right and that's what i think about when he met probably rostein because he had some some cash and rostein kind of picked him out like lansky and lucky he's like hey, this guy's a little bit of probably above your average you know, street thug. Is that and, how uh, they met? Um, sorry, Casey. Is that how they met them, um, Lucky and Frank? And because I know wasn't Lucky and Maya part of Rothstein to begin with? Yeah. Uh, well, Frank was. You know, a lot of people I don't think realize this. Frank was older than those guys. He was already kind of hooked in with uh, the Masseria gang and all that. You know, or the Morello gang at, and stuff at that time. Uh, and so, what's that? Didn't he have like an alliance with like Dutch Schultz and them, and like only Madden and some of them even for a little while. Uh, him and Madden were, yeah, they were they were friends uh, all through their life. Uh, you know, when Madden went down to Hot Springs, Frank used to go down there all the time and and visit him and and hang out with him. So yeah, they were they were pretty tight. I mean, I think there was a, a pretty good alliance of a lot of those bootleggers. Kind of you know helped each other. Out old English boy, Madden. I go back. I don't know. <laughs> Dutch Schultz. That son of a bitch did not make fucking making money with him easy. He was a uh, I don't know, it's, it's weird because like I don't know I, there's always other gangsters I put on a pedestal like above him but like every time I read about that Schultz I'm always like man he's a mean motherfucker dude. <laughs> like, yeah, he, he's a very violent guy right yeah he was a bad dude you know I mean those guys 
that it, one thing about Costello that, that happens that, that I hear a lot, uh, he gets compared to, to Castellano a lot. And I think a lot of people it, in this history that don't really know much about him, they have, they have the impression like he came out of prep school or something and then was handed the keys to the family. Like the dude came up through prohibition. I mean, he was one of the main guys. Like you got to be tough to, you know, there's nobody that survived and, and made it through that. That wasn't a tough son of a bitch. So, you know, Costello was a lot, a lot tougher than people give him credit for, but, uh, but, you know, I think he, he met Lucky uh, probably a little bit before he met Rosty. I think they knew each other and, and were probably working together a little bit uh, pre that. And I think, you know, when, when Rosty met those guys, it was kind of all together, you know, and he, I think he saw what they were doing and, you know, he's like, these guys are working together. I think I could, work with these guys and mold them into something and so frank was lucky enough to be one of those guys that kind of got the tutelage from and they with you and they were the original um immigrants as well when they? they were first generation they come over um they weren't born um, in america so the chances are with them being in although new york's large the, the chances of them kind of um combining early on is, is obvious i suppose in a way because they've got the similar backgrounds Charlie Lucky's there, bro. Come on now. Yeah, I think they all those... bring peace, but that dude was just an aura of like, "Hey, come with me. Come on, I'm gonna show you how to do it. It's gonna be all right. We're gonna we're gonna get it, boys. I got an idea. I got an idea. I don't know if it'll work, but I got an idea." <laughs> well, it worked pretty much, but you know. So, but I yeah, I agree. I think you know, guys that were gonna be doing that were in that business in that world, uh, the guys that were rising to the top were bound to kind of come together at some point. You know, you're gonna cross paths, and if you could get along and you see the value of having a partner like that, you know, they're going to, and they did, that's what they did. They teamed up and pretty much. Uh, like, I don't know exactly what he said, but more or less like shut the fuck up. Cause he was bitching about, uh, I don't know if it was Siegel or uh, Lansky. He was bitching about uh, somebody Jewish being in the crew and Ben Costello's uh, like kind of put him in his place about it. There's a story about that. That's it. Yeah. He's, you know, that Vito said, you're trying to fill up the family with a bunch of heaps or something. And then uh, Costello apparently said, you know, you're nothing but a foreigner yourself. And uh, whether that really happened or not, who knows? Uh, apparently, you know, they say uh, Siegel was there and he was going to swing on Vito and Costello kind of broke it up. And but the thing is, though, Casey, I mean, again, with them being first generation over, um, and of course, Vito was from Naples, um, which uh, Camorra. And then you've got Frank, who's from Calabria, which is, of course, the Indolangata. Um, do you think some of that might have played um, in the early days? Uh, that there was that Sicilian, Italian, and of course, the, the different mafias within Italy as well, with their cultures. That uh, Right at the start, there could have been a bit of that going on, as much as the racism towards the Jewish, obviously. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think Frank, he uh, ran into problems, you know, being Calabrian a few times, you know, with some people that weren't wanting to work with him or, you know, they, they kind of put him in a, a lower class, I guess. Um, so, but, you know, he was lucky to meet up with that next generation because, you know, they were a little bit, you know, as we know, they had a more modern outlook mm -hmm. on it and they were, you know, willing to work with each other. That didn't seem to be a problem with Lucky, obviously, no. but, you know, I think, you know, Vito might've been a little bit, I think it definitely was with uh, Joe the Boss there's, yeah. you know, stories that, that he used to call Costello the dirty Calabrian and didn't really. In the work for a bunch of lots. Yeah. Well, he, I mean, <laughs> even Vito belonged to uh, a group um, of the Camorra that come over uh, as as well as the commission, didn't he? I mean, it weren't just 
um, Vito was part, obviously, the Genovese family, what he'd become, and part of the commission and part of, if you like, the big boys. But he also had his, a lot of, of sidelines, if you like, with his own nationalities, even though they're all Italian, but for, for, from the localities, if you like. Yeah, you talk to them about it. Huh. Yeah, I think he's, you know, he had a lot going on. Uh, Rob and I talked about this, or not Rob, excuse me, Ian. We talked about this a little bit yesterday where, you know, I, again, just like Costello kind of gets put in this little, uh, you know, box where he, he really wasn't that tough. You know, brutal or Vito gets the same thing. They're like, he wasn't that smart. And that's not true at all. I mm -hmm. think, you know, once, once you kind of start to learn more about him, and he always had side things going on. <laughs> he was making money too. I mean, obviously, he but for Mussolini. I mean, he was he was he was um, Mussolini's basic drug dealer, wasn't he? I mean, he was he was I, teamed up with his was it his son or his cousin Mussolini's son or cousin? The, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure. Do you know Ian? I'm, I don't know too much about um, what he did when he was over in Italy. Yeah, he was. I mean, he literally giving it was the equivalent of two million pound a month that Vito was handing over to. Obviously, rumored to be two million pound a month. Because Michael, and this was when he was on the run for the um, Eric the Hawk murder, but not Eric the Hawk. Um, who did he run for? What murder did Vito run from? What did he go? I can't remember the guy's name. I keep, but... I keep forgetting that. I wrote about it myself, and I can never yeah. remember the guy's name. <laughs> I'm sure it's Eric the Hawk Rupolo that he was on the run for. I can't remember now. But anyway, but it, while he was over in Sicily, um he was he in italy he immediately began working with um mussolini uh and he was soon into the drug games obviously sicily was one of the major hubs um for the drugs that were coming through uh and i think lucky when he went over to italy he restarted it after he was deported um was that 46 was it um so yeah i mean i think veto in italy there's I, there, there's a a whole story there because of course once the allies come and took over um Vito was soon working but he was still working with Caligiro Vizzini who was obviously the head of the Sicilian Mafia at the time in Valalba um so yeah I mean he Vito in Sicily was was uh one of your own he, he very much survived out there and um I, I and I it's think who <laughs> Survive and he thrived. He not only he, survived, he thrived. He thrived out well, there. yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for that orange sea dicky, um, Vito probably would never have come back to America. Uh, but he he wanted to make a name for himself, didn't he? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's a good example of like what we're talking about. Like his his smarts. You know, he he hit the ground running as soon as as soon as he was over there, and he had stuff going on. You know, right away. Um, there's I I you know I don't know that this has never been confirmed and. But this is just a theory of mine. But when Costello, uh, in the late twenties, uh, he got uh, he had to go to court. They got they were going to bust him on bootlegging, but he beat the charge. But he was feeling like there was a lot of kind of heat on him at the time, so he he went back to Italy for the first time to go. He still had some family there, some sisters, uh, and he wanted to visit Laracoli, his his hometown. But he went back and in the late twenties, and he apparently had a meeting with Mussolini at the time. I, what it was about. I don't know, probably had something to do with, you know, trying to, to run booze or, or some kind of trafficking thing. But uh, as far as I know, they only met once. But uh, I don't know. I, I always wondered if that had something to do with maybe how Vito hooked up with him, too. Maybe, you know, Frank had some kind of in with that and, and set him up with it. But uh, I don't have any confirmation. 1920 would be a pretty good time for guns. 
1920 would be a pretty good time for uh, Frank to be trying to move some guns for Mussolini. Sure. And, you know, who, who knows what he was smuggling stuff left and right yeah. at that time. So, you know, unless <laughs> It doesn't matter the political persuasion, whether you're communist, fascist, or, or dem democracy. Money talks. It, it's, exactly. It's the number <laughs> one thing, isn't it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter who you are. It's um, money talks. No. Yeah, yeah. I say burn it all down, but I'm gonna go buy a new pair of Adidas when we're done with this. So I mean, that's <laughs> I really know. So would you? Would you? I mean, what do you? Um, there's, for me, it's, there's, there's a hell of a lot of misinformation that's out there, um, all right, making of the mob. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and I think that it's very difficult to try and, if you, uh, history and time, uh, sorry, time's very much a killer of history, isn't it? It's yeah. things change so much over the years, which is really in one aspect why I, I have a lot of respect for you, cases. I do J. Michael, Christian Cipollini and of course Gary as well for you just you kind of I look up to you guys because of your search for the truth you're always looking behind the headlines and um, you always go that extra little step if you like to, to really find that truth because I think a lot of not so much historians but crime writers true crime writers they kind of um, why kind of care about the truth when this story sounds much, so much better? And I think there's a lot more uh, interesting stories with the truth than what there is with some of these stories that have been made up, I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's tough with uh, Frank Costello because he's one of those guys where the myth surrounding him at this point is mushroomed, you know, it's... Mm. it's there's all He's sorts departed. of stories. It pisses me off so much. Like, God, Scorsese started. I should have known The Irishman was going to be the worst movie ever made because fucking yeah, the, he started dropping the ball in The Departed. Like, it's about Whitey Bulger. Why are you going to name him Frank Costello? Costello, not even, a, it's not even an Irish name. Like, right? I mean, and there's so much now. Like, you see a lot of quotes going out there. Then you, you see Frank Costello's picture with it. But they're quotes from The, the Departed, you know. Now that, yeah. That's all been yeah, kind of like, blurred in. And there's people who think that, you know, that is based off Frank and that... that you know, that character couldn't probably be farther from Ooh, Vito Corleone as well. They're saying, aren't they? Do they say the same about that. Vito Corleone, Frank Costello? Yeah, a lot of it is, yeah. Um, his voice, and like we were talking about that yesterday too, like the, the story of the Frank Sinatra and the horse's head and stuff like that. He did help get Sinatra that part in from here to eternity, but he just made a phone call to the William Morris, Morris agency. They had friends there and they owed him a favor or they were happy to do him a favor. So, you know, um, so a lot of that is based off Frank, but there's a lot that's also based off Gambino and Propachi and stuff too. Yeah. It's kind of a big mix of all those, those guys, but uh, uh, let's be honest. There, there wasn't a lot back then uh, at the early days, obviously, well, more so after prohibition, of course, that the Italian American mafia didn't have a part of um, construction, the gay bars, restaurants, the music industry, the garment industry, um, uh, 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 the rubbish collection. Style pornography, just cause you know, we don't want to make these guys. Yeah, I mean, they were that well, yeah, of course. They, uh, Deep oh, Linda was so successful, they had to launder the money, and they laundered the money and made the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know, it's the, the myths that they don't get involved in the stuff like the drugs and the porn industry, and that's all <laughs> we, we all know that's a myth at this mm. point. So, uh, it looks good on paper, you know, when those guys. <laughs> 
you know, they, I think they, a lot of those guys, they want their legacy or whatever to be looked at a certain way. So they're never going to cop to, you know, doing things like that. It's like, you know, with the drugs, with Costello, I don't think that he liked it. I don't think that he really dealt with it himself much at all, but uh, he certainly, when he was in charge, knew it was going on. And uh, like I said, I don't think I've ever heard a story of him like refusing an envelope or anything like that. So it's, um, it, like it's it'd be somebody that's that street savvy that came out of you know prohibition was probably one of the guys who opened up a lot of those smuggling channels you know through mm -hmm. the bootlegging um he certainly had to know if that was going on it was be like an insult yeah, to his intelligence to say he didn't he just that, that's why i like eye. this guy right here david because but like literally there's so many things he's saying that like he's just sort of like just chopped the edges off him for himself and just sounds even better but he said the same thing yesterday, man. It's verbatim. It's beautiful to watch. I'm like, that's why I'm not even trying to say anything, really. Like, fucking, that's exactly what you said yesterday. I love it. It's, so it's a national crime syndicate, brother. National crime syndicate. It, it, yeah, I know. You fucking so won't let me in, man. I fucking applied like seven times, man. Books ain't open. You guys, yeah, I know. Keep me on the outskirts like a Henry Hill. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to flip. <laughs> I haven't, you know, I really haven't done much for the NCS. Like, you know, uh, Craig and uh, they kind of restructured a lot of the stuff and are doing their, you know, kind of a, a different thing now. So I, you know, if Craig needs something or he has, you know, something he, he needs a favor or wants me to do something, I do. But I, you know, the thing at the Costello thing at this point, I've been doing it for, you know, over five years and you get, it's getting to the point where I'm pretty much kind of <laughs> mind it dry. You know, there's, uh, every year i still do learn something new or something comes up or i find a new picture or something like that but it's you know you you delve that much into just a single person uh you're going to run out of material sooner or later but I, to his credit you know he is interesting enough and had enough to of stuff happen in his history that it you know it lasted quite a while <laughs> so same with charlie richardson i mean there, there was only so much i mean he spent a hell of a lot of time behind bars so there was only a short period during the kind of 60s where he really, like the craze, he really becomes synonymous. But mm. there are so many stories. That's it. Once, once you've, once yeah, you, yeah, it's it's. The other day he was walking down the road and he bought a newspaper. I mean, you start getting to that point there because, exactly. and then everybody knows. So um, there are. We're, we're talking about guys that really did have a short shelf life. At yeah. the end of the day, I mean, that's why like Carmine Persico is one of my favorites, all time favorite. Car like Carmine Persico, like fascinating. I've read that uh, Frank DiMaggio's. I don't know how to say his last. I'm so bad with Italian last names. I, I can write them, but I can't Perfect. read them. And the, yeah, DiMaggio, whatever. But no, dude, that book's great. Like fucking Carmine, I like. I don't get it. You literally spent no time on the streets. I don't know. I tell you, like far, maybe close to a decade, close, and that's like in his whole run. Defends himself, fucking screws himself doing that. Spoke for ninety minutes. Who speaks for 90 minutes on their own behalf when you're facing like uh, the commission charge? And then like uh, he's got a whole bunch of shit that's like kept after forever. Fucking like the Larry Gallo hit. It's in The Godfather 2. That's not going nowhere. That's, that's here forever. Uh, what the fuck's the other one? He, he did. There's another something he is supposed to have done in a movie that's like an, an, an infamous scene. And it's supposed to be because of uh, Carmine Persico hit. And yeah, I don't know. I'm slowly becoming obsessed with Carmine Persico. He's not, he's, <laughs> He's creeping his way. He's a slimy bastard, dude. God, I wouldn't want to be that guy. I didn't pay to be his friend or his enemy. He's like a smarter, calmer Nicky Scarfo. And it's, uh, I mean, it's really a wonder. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, interesting guy. Yeah, very. I mean, 
it's even Vito, um, obviously one of my favourites, um, he didn't have a long run, really. I mean, 50, I'm 59, I'm not going to mention Appalachian, but 59 really, yeah, 59 yeah, really does leave a bad taste in my mouth. It's You you don't mind if someone gets, I, I would have rather seen someone put a bullet in his head than the way that the, the 1959 child went, because that, 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 that was there ever any real loyalty within the mafia? Was there mm. anything? Re- did they really understand what a murder meant? Um, because I mean, a murder grew um, in Sicily and in Italy. It, it, it was part of the fabric. It was part of the individual. Whereas where these have left at a young age, that's why Carlo, uh, Carlo Gambino he come over at an old age. The ones that come over older ones that seem to last a lot longer um, because they had that that real mentality of what a murder was what um blood meant what family meant i think yeah world i war mean two seemed to do a number on that too sorry casey does it oh, yeah, well, world war ii like that world war ii era stretch like taking it to a motherfucker they really like a neo della croce or something like that to where like their eyes they didn't blink they walk up and shoot you and not blink you wouldn't even bother them you know what i mean like it's yeah it's different how many bodies does Costello have? He's had to have killed somebody. Well, now, you know, the, the story is he didn't. Uh, uh, there is one bit of a story out there that during Prohibition, uh, him and his, he had an older brother, Ed, that he also worked with. And Ed was, by all, you know, everything I've heard, he was a little bit meaner and tougher than Frank. So he was kind of like his, you know, his protective big older brother but uh there was a, a rival bootlegger that they were having uh issues with and uh, the guy took a couple shots at ed and i think took a shot at costello too at the time but you know it didn't kill him obviously yeah. but um but that, <laughs> that guy disappeared shortly after and um there is one story of, of a guy that you know said that he heard frank uh copped to that but he said the, what i think it was it's more he just uh, I think it was Ed that did it, and I think you know Frank took the credit for it because it was it was kind of good just to have a story out yeah, there that maybe he could do that kind of protect. You know, if people think that you're gonna you're capable of that, you know, that's kind of a deterrent in a way. But there's no, I don't, as far as I know, I I don't think he ever did. He did hit a um a guy in New Orleans one time uh, was skimming from him and Phil Castell and Marcelo and all those guys what they had going on. And Frank came down and did, um, he rented a hall, had a meeting with this guy, these guys, and he brought the guy up to the podium and he had a wrench underneath the podium and he oh, whacked shit. the guy on the head with the wrench. He didn't yeah. kill him, but he, he, you know, did that in front of everybody. And he's, he yeah. claims that was one of his only real big acts of violence. But when he was younger though, he, you know, he didn't, he never went to jail for it. But like you were saying yesterday, there's a bunch oh. of times that he got caught. Uh, 1907, 1908, yeah. 1912, 1917, and he was mugging people. Uh, he hit one guy with a hammer yeah. in one of those uh, things. So, you know, he was capable of doing that kind of stuff. But I, as far as I know, he he never, you know, killed anybody. Uh, if, you know, if I found out today that he did, I wouldn't be surprised given, you know, what he came oh, from. Oh, but, kill the man. Yeah. But I think that's one of the big myths to, you know, just like the drugs or we don't kill our own kind of thing is yeah. you got to kill a guy to get into there. Like if you're making the kind of money that, you know, Costello's making, who's going to say no? You you want that guy on your team, you know? Yeah. He proved that he was trustworthy, he was loyal, he didn't rat people out, 
And I don't want him going down for murder. We're going to leave fucking Joe Valachi to go down for murder. That's who's going to go down for murder. The guy who this is his doom. Yeah, that's who's fucking going down on a murder beast. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, Valachi was a David pretty... ain't killing nobody. We're sending somebody else. I promise. I, you know, Valachi gets a bad rap in a way. Uh, he was a he was a real gangster. He was gangster. He was he was proper gangster. Yeah. Do you know what, Casey? I, I don't. I still don't think that. Um, I think he was more. Uh, yeah, he gave the FBI information. They were more aware of the information. Um, he was basically confirming some of the stuff. Sure. That he knew. Uh, there was no. Yeah, he was a gangster. However, there was no way that he knew what was going on all around the country. No, I mean, yeah, he he had he even admits that he kind of had his own things going on. He had his machines going on. I mean, he was earning money in his own right. Yeah. Um, and he he obviously I don't know. Again, that all for me surrounding fifty nine. Obviously, it all just seems a little bit all convenient um, with what happened. Atlanta prison with Valachi, um, killing a, a stranger. Uh, it just all, but yeah, it all seems strange to me. It does seem strange to me, but yeah, it's funny stranger, that it's weird. It's funny that you uh, brought up the word myth because I was watching a, a podcast, a YouTube video yesterday. It was uh, 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 Dave Courtney from over here, and he he was talking about the time when he become security at the Ronnie Craig's funeral. Um, he didn't, what he didn't want, he, he obviously didn't want to be on the front page, but within this world, if you like, the myth that no one can ever be bigger than the myth. The myth will always be bigger than the individual. And it basically cost him, it, he was having people uh, taking his kids to school and the teachers were saying, do you mind picking your children up from down the road because you're scaring the parents. But all he done, he wasn't a bad guy. Yeah, he was involved in a in a in a in a in a, in a world, if you like. He used to run the doors. It was at the time when ecstasy was a big thing. So there's a lot of drugs, obviously, in the clubs that, that were club dealers that were allowed to be there as long as they were given a grand over kind of thing. So, um, but he wanted to stay under the radar. And then once he done. Um, the craze funeral, that was it. I mean, he was yeah, organizing the work that he was doing. He then had to get into the celebrity side because no one wanted to work with him. He was basically being touted as the guy that took over from the craze. He's he's the next on the throne. And oh, who wants that title in London? I mean, so yeah, the, the myth, the myth is always bigger than the person. It, absolutely. I mean, when you guys were talking on the, the Castellano podcast that you did you guys brought up a good point uh, about Gotti and people would say he's too flamboyant or about uh, Capone but it, it's not Gotti that was flamboyant it's the press, it's the what press they loved him yeah. I mean like the same thing you know with Costello he you know I got this one here since we're on Zoom, but you know he ended up on Time Magazine. He didn't ask to be on Time Magazine. He was just he was big news. And once yeah, that only, starts to happen, you're you you know, really, there's no going back. And you don't see that out much, do you? Yet the one we've got is everywhere. Yeah, absolutely the everywhere. One, so the one with the Frank Costello had already started that business. It, it's as if you think that Gotti was the first one to appear on the front cover, and yet yeah. there you are, what forty years earlier. Um, and Frank Costello, 
if you like. And and when you look at, like you say, there's a lot of audio about because he was the 1940s Frank Go- uh, John Gotti. Frank oh, he, ab- absolutely. He, he was everywhere. So that it's like you say, I I I I think John Gotti's great. I mean, whether or not some of his decisions were brilliant, neither here nor there. But I don't. I just think he was the right man at the right time for that role. Um, because, it, do it. Yeah, I mean, the media were going to be all over him anyway. The FBI were following Sam Giancana 24 hours a day. They were standing next to him. So, done, yeah. yeah, if I'm going to get the limelight, I'll take the limelight. But when yeah. I take the limelight, I'm saying what I want and I'm doing what yeah. I want. And, and in a way... motherfucking head on. But how much, how much do you think that... Um, the flamboyancy which brought or the, the flamboyancy in the media side if you like enabled John Gotti to get away from some of those crimes and become the Teflon Don because people knew who he was they knew he was on the front cover if you're on a jury and you're like who's this guy I've never heard of him before and someone says oh, if you go not guilty he's hundred dollars I'd be like I've never heard of him mate why have I got to be worried but it's John Gotti sitting there <laughs> and you're like oh yeah I'll tell you, tell you later I'm off so I wonder how much of that played a part in him becoming a Teflon Don, that the media um, provided enough information about him to get him not guilty. He didn't need to bribe the jury. The media were getting him off. Sure. I mean, yeah, he became like a folk hero. I mean, he, yeah. you know, I grew up here on the West Coast and even I knew who God he was. You know, we don't have that news you know, like you guys you know, have out there. We don't have the, the what's Dave Schwartz or what, or I can't pronounce his name. You know, the guys doing that kind of true crime and, and mob uh, journalism, because they're just not, not as much out here. But, you know, I sure knew who Gotti was. And yeah, so I remember you, the Castellano hit. You know, that was big news even out here. So he if was, you bring a jury from outside of the state, if it's someone like Gotti, they're going to know who he is immediately. But yeah. if you're bringing in people from out of state for, I don't, we can come up with a load of names, but for someone that's slightly less known, they'd be, they're not going to know anything. So they're like who it is. They're going to yeah. believe the, the Justice Department. But then we've got it. We all have our Robin Hoods, don't we? We all have, when, especially when you come from the wrong side of the tracks, you love the people that give it to the man. You love those people that are getting out. That, that, and let's be honest, he also looks after his own and he looks after his community. He kept the community safe. So as a person, I think John Gotti was, yeah, he was up there with one of the best. That was one of my favorite things is when he comes out of court and uh, the one guy just kind of helps him to his car and he gets in and he, and, uh, he hands him a 50. And uh, they put it in the movie too. And the uh, the media camera asked the the guy he gave the fifty to. He's like, "What's it like to be given a fifty from John Gotti?" And John Gotti goes, "Oh, is that a fifty? Give me the fifty back. Here, take a hundred. Like people love that. Shit, people <laughs> yeah. love that shit. I mean that that you know, Gotti and Costello had a lot in common that way. It's like first of all, uh, the camera loved them. You know, they they you look at all the pictures and they just they had that thing about them. Uh, so right, smoking they a cigarette good. right there in the background. Yeah, I mean, and there's uh, but they were good. They were witty as well. You know, like Frank. You know, I think the press liked him in some ways. First of all, he was big news. Second of all, he wasn't you know belligerent. He wasn't a scary dude. He was fairly approachable for a guy like that. But you know, he usually had a good quote or something funny to say that was good in the, in the paper or in the press or something like that. And so, look like gangsters. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know, they look once like that gangsters. Starts, you know, once that whole thing started. Uh, 
you know, it's just like Gotti. I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with the downfall of Frank as well. It's it just how effective of a boss can you be when every one of your phones is tapped everywhere you go. The minute you come out of your house, there's guys following you, you know, right after the, the, the key father and everything like that, he, he had people trailing him forever. Mm -hmm. There was, he, he was never not getting watched and he knew it. And I think everybody knew it. So, you know, his, his days were numbered just by the sheer, amount of eyes that were on him all the time at that point um but you know he, like Gotti, when he frank was retired or you know whatever you want to call that but uh you know he, he was still he was a fixture of new york he's like a a legend you know people see him walking down the street like we're there's the godfather you know people kind of like that, having that in the city that that kind of thing you know and uh and people asked him for his autograph he would give him their his autograph you know so i don't know was it lucky the same if if I, I heard stories that if he was walking down the road and you actually bumped into him, literally bumped into him, that he'd apologize to you? Yeah. Yeah, heard, I, yeah I mean, I've heard that. I mean, that's why those guys were able to kind of uh, exist in that upper world with, you know, with the, the politicians and the actors and the sports people and stuff. They didn't. They didn't scare the shit out of people. Like some of these guys, that's what they want to do. You know, some of the stories you hear about Vito, that's exactly what he wanted to do. That was the yeah. impression he wanted to give. But you know, it's bigger than the person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a that's, guy where like, looks, that's where looks matter too. Because I'll put Bugsy Siegel right up there with as violent and as vicious as uh, Vito. Doesn't have the same body count. Didn't ever run the head. The same control. But the temperament, the like, the willingness to kill. The like, the second you cross that line, it's over. You're done. Bugsy Siegel had that too, but people loved him. Fucking yeah. Hollywood and Vegas loved him. I don't, I don't get he, it. Like, I think he, um, when we talk about like some of the myths and some of the stories that have gotten out of control, uh, I think his story a little bit it, it suffers from that. I, it, his crazy violence in public and stuff like that. I don't think he was, you know, I think he was a tough dude and all that's true. But, you know, when you see him in movies or you hear people talk about him, like he's, you know, just F this, F that, always, you know, causing a problem. I don't think guys like Lucky or Frank or Lansky would deal with a guy like that very long. You know, so he had to be a lot smarter and a little more calm than he gets credit for. How do you explain Spilatro? They always kind of seem to put up with Tommy Argro. Tommy Argo's a nut, man. And like Gambino's still kind of like, eh. I mean, you're probably right. It probably is like way oversold because it's Hollywood. But like, I don't I don't know. Like what kind of rules would he have had to have followed? Like obviously he, he yeah, well, might have enough money or fucking that doesn't matter. But like, there's no way he had to abide to, to the same exact structure as like Lucky or Vito did. He had to have been at him and Lansky both. I would assume anybody that wasn't, you know, cold-blooded you kind of get to bend a rule here and there, like one that they can't break, you can. So you can do that, you know? Sure. But I think, but like, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with stuff like, you know, like building places like the Flamingo or you're dealing with that kind of much money and, and, yeah. and big business ideas like that, you know, um, the, a lot of the people in the, in the real world, they, they're, they're not going to want to deal with somebody <laughs> like that. And, you know, I, I think Costello and Lucky, those guys knew that. And that's why they kind of changed their, yeah their approach so that they could fit in better with that and if you got this loose cannon running around uh you know acting crazy all the time that's going to screw a lot of those things up and bring a lot of you know unwanted attention so i, I you know i think some of it's true definitely like i said he was a tough guy he was a ruthless guy but oh, yeah. he, i don't think he was you know like yeah. again like in these movies even with splatter like when you, you hear uh oscar goodman talk and stuff like that he, he was yeah. one of his biggest complaints about 
you know, the movie was he's like, I never heard him say the F word once. <laughs> you know, he was always polite and and a gentleman. He's a ladies' around. man, wasn't he? Spilotti, sorry. Yeah. He liked the ladies. That's what got it, him into trouble. And you see the movies, everything's F this, F that, uh, yeah. you know, blah, 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 you know, which it oh, makes boy, a good I movie, read, but. Brad something from Chicago, actually. He, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to do a Zoom with him here soon because he's the one who made me download it. He, uh, he ran with Spilotti for a lot. Actually, fun fact, he ran with uh, the Outlaws in like the late 60s, early 70s. And then he's got a bunch of CBS. I, I'm pretty sure he flipped. I don't know entirely, but he messaged me. He's like, you're a joke, guy. What do you know about Tony? And then he writes me. He's like, hey, I want to help you. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and, he, and he writes me. He did. He said Tony was actually like a complete gentleman. And I'm like, I mean, uh, yeah, I guess. But a gentleman doesn't crush a dude's head in a vice. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain, there's just, yeah. there are certain things that are oversold, but they're still out there. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. I mean, he's a dangerous guy, for sure. You know, yeah. not... not debating that at all but you know in the you can only go it, it's kind of like the that mob thing about you know uh, you, you don't want too much violence because the public will will put up with they'll put up with white collar crime all day long and they'll yeah. put up with a little bit of violence but once it starts to get you know too much like that saint valentine's day massacre stuff like that you know yeah. that's when there's people start putting the brakes on, on, Boy, on that. Guy. come on settle down yeah, you can. You, well, you screw it up. New Orleans with um, with uh, I'm going to forget his name, David Hemingway, um, Hennessy, uh, David Hennessy. If you look at that situation where the public raided the prison uh, yeah. to because of violence that was going on, because of what was going on, and and that is how far they allowed it to get to, and it's like. Well, we've had enough now. We're taking yeah. it and it, and it's like no, we're not having it. So yeah, you're right. They do enable that that little bit of violence, that bit of. Crime. I mean, at the end of the day, let's be honest. I think I think the world breeds on corruption. It needs corruption. Oh, I thought um, you were going to say violence. I was. I was no, well, it needs crime in one aspect because yeah. without crime, how do you kind of define that social line between well, right and wrong? Where where yeah. what? If, I'm not, and I'm a reformed character now, so I don't commit crime anymore. But I'm saying it's it's it it, it is kind of needed um, in a way. Well, all the good well, stuff, the the fun stuff the comes from yeah. All the fun stuff comes from crime. You know, prohibition, yeah. booze. Uh, can I, you, can I just music. say though, when, when I'm talking crime, I'm about the organised crime. I'm not talking about the the rapes and the the, the sure. nasty you know, the sexual offences. We're talking about organised crime, the mafia world. Um, gangs and that kind of thing, but the gangs in respect of organised crime. I'm not trying to yeah. glorify that violence and crime is... Absolutely. I'm glorifying the shit out of it. I'm glorifying the shit out of it. But like what you're saying, David, like all, when you look at, like here in America, all the fun cities, or you know, Kansas City, New York, Las Vegas, uh, they're all mob. Oh, no, Detroit, huh? No, Detroit. Well, Detroit, too. No, I mean, look, all the, the cool music always, or New Orleans, too. You know, Orleans, you, you got the clubs, the cool music will always come out of a mob town because they've got these places where the musicians go and, you know, movies, booze, all these little fun vices that we, that people kind of thrive on and sort of need. It's all comes out of that, you know, that crime world. So that it's, they do serve some kind of a service, you know, <laughs> and it, 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 Gary Jenkins always says like, you know, the best towns, you, you got to have a little bit of corruption in them. That's what makes them interesting, you know? Oh, yes. 
My favorite is is when they do get to motherfuck him at every turn. Is like you lock a pony up for ten years, and what does he do? He's all like, "All right, well, fuck you. Put expiration dates on milk bottles in you, prick. You want to lock me up? You want to see what I'll spend money towards? If you put me in a cell, here's what I'll spend money towards. You know what else you're gonna fix? Those fucking roads, like, because they they're the only people who could afford to lobby against lobbyists back then. So the only ones who could back it, and their bankroll wasn't gonna run out. They could but shut down. Lobbyists. Even the racket, even the rackets game was yeah. a way out for people that played the numbers. It was a lot of money for nothing, really. I mean, you didn't put a lot of money in and you got a lot of money back. It Quarter was, down and get you like 600 bucks, something crazy Exactly, like that. 600 bucks back then is a lot of money. That I mean, that could feed a family for a year back then. So, I mean, it was, it was still, all right, it might have been illegal gambling on the streets, but it wasn't doing anyone any harm. You, you were getting better odds through the wire than you would yeah. in... Attracts. I mean, they were offering better rods as well, so you was getting more buck for your money. And you know, there's a weird thing that there's a weird thing that happens, like in, in depression eras, and when when times are really bad and people don't have money, they do they seem to spend money on stuff like gambling, though. You know, because they need an app, they need something, you know, to You know, so nowadays, Casey, um, you've got telephone companies. If you don't pay your bill, they send people around to come and come and take your goods. So where's the where's, where's, whoa, 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 whoa. where are you living? No bailiffs, <laughs> bailiffs and court bailiffs. We have that in oh. England. If, if you don't pay your bills, they can come and take your stuff off you. Come oh, that's and your house oh, for good. So no, so how's that different? Where's that different? You owe us money. You're not paying us. It's illegal to use violence. So therefore, we're going to come and take your goods and what you own. So I, uh, thanks. <laughs> it hit me in the head with a bat or something. We hit it over. Like, it's still intimidation. Like you're saying, exactly. you know, it's, it's yeah. the same thing. But if you're a vulnerable you know, person, you've got a six foot five big geezer standing at your door. That's intimidation, even before yeah. he said anything. One thing that bugged Costello a lot in, in his later years was, uh, and I, I mean, if he saw things today, him and Lansky would be, you know, rolling in their graves. But pretty much everything that he was labeled a criminal criminal for it became legal you know boo, the booze first of all and then with the gambling i mean now you know i can place bets Atlantic on my City, phone right? yep. <laughs> yeah. and, you know and those, if they would have just you know put lansky and frank costello in control of like the gaming industry and just you know and legalized it and regulated it they should have just let them run it you know if we everybody would have made yeah, money give the aid of something though come on now prohibition the the building of las vegas it's like um if there was an opportunity for for if the powers that be always oh, a possibility that we can get the mafia involved <laughs> Let, let's do this and it's like we let the mafia run it for a while we can claw back and then we'll take over after 10 years they can build up the business they do all the groundwork they get all the distribution stuff sorted out. They get all the, the buyers and the sellers and everything else sorted out. Once they've done that, we can step in and legalize it. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, a, it's like there's an, under, an undercover contract that goes on. Yeah, it's, you know, like I said, those guys probably rolling in their graves right now, just seeing like <laughs> how legal everything is and, you know, the what a time they had, you know, trying to do all that. Uh, but, you know, I Think about weed, man. There's there's people who, when they were trafficking some marijuana so people could smoke weed, like I do 50 times a day, fucking, they were taking a lifetime sentence. Like I like in Vegas, and like, oh, what, 71, 72, Thompson writes, steering loads, and yeah, 70, 71. And so, yeah, you're getting 25 years for a joint. That's, that's insanity. That's crazy. That's like, I seen a kid get a, a year in jail for a Vicodin. 
not a palm full, not 30, not a whole script, not a bag, one. One. I'm like, that motherfucker didn't even know that was there or where there wouldn't have been one, bro. Yeah. He fell under his seat and he didn't know. <laughs> like, a, guy Hong, a guy in Hong Kong got a uh, got 12 years for one ecstasy tablet. Oh my Jeez. God. Okay. But, you know, the pharmaceutical company can just, you know, pump out opiates to everybody. It's perfectly legal. So, yeah, there's a, you know, we got a big problem here in, in the States. It's going to be interesting to see, like, uh, here oh, in Oregon. Where it's no different to the mafia, is it? They got, and, and they've got their own commission. They, they, it's like judges, they oversee themselves. It's like yeah. their own commission. The pharmaceutical company oversees itself. The oil industry, petroleum industry oversees itself. They self-regulate. That's no different to the commission and the mafia. <laughs> exactly. It's a bunch of but it is. rich. They make less money. Well, they make more money now because there's no yeah. mafia. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's rich, power-hungry people that promise that they'll regulate themselves. That I mean, how well does that ever work out? I mean, I think the mafia is a great microcosm of that if anybody wants to understand that. It's like they have these this set of rules that they're supposed to abide by. And if, if everybody abides by those, everything's supposed to run real smooth. But does do they ever abide by that? It, it's a gangster never. actually going to follow rules. Exactly. That's what I always thought about all these rules that people say that these gangsters have. I'm Biker like, gave me the worst because they do go the hardest. The riding formation. If your mother dies or a brother dies that day, like you go to the brothers, you're like, fuck you, bro. I'm not doing it. You can't make me. Oh, you're burning my tattoos off. Never mind. I suppose I'll be getting on that bike now. Like <laughs> Greed. Fucking... It's the money. It's the greed. It's, it takes over you. You're, you're kind of, when it comes down to money and greed, the irrational brain takes over. You start making irrational decisions, don't you? And also when, when, you're, when you're being surrounded continually by yes men, you think you can get away with murder. And that's why people in the high positions that you think, why on earth would you do something like that? But then when you take a step back and they're surrounded by all these people that I can't do no wrong, I can do whatever yeah. it is that I like, like Donald Trump, I can do what I like because all these people tell me yes. America, yes, yes, got yes. fired from London. <laughs> yeah, call them out. Call them out. All right, before we lose time, I got it because I forgot to do it yesterday and I do all these guys a big favor. I got pissed drunk at a German tavern a couple, or not a couple, last week, boys, when I was on the road for work. And these really cool guys, we all had a sign holding contest to where like all the guys in the room, you know, they held it out for as long as they could. And eventually when I went out, I cheers them. So, cause I knew, I knew they were doing a podcast. So I cheered them so they could get a little something for their cameras, you know, make a spectacle on my shelf, show off the tattoos, that whole bit. And then I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm gonna go see if they'll let me plug my shit. I just wanted them to give me a shout out. They call me up on the stage with them. They're like, no, just come up here and do it. It's cool. Like they call me up. So I gotta give a big shout out to the underdog journey. My penmanship is horrible. You probably can't see it anyway. But it's called The Underdog Journey. They're a business podcast. Uh, I don't know how like heavy they're starting up. I know they got a lot of money wrapped up in it because their production value is great because they weren't even on Spotify yet. And I was like, get on Anchor. They'll do it for free. I don't even know how I'm on Spotify. Right? <laughs> but, but they're like, no, we stacked up a bankroll. We're doing it right. Really smart guys, man. Once again, The Underdog Journey uh, is a business beer podcast all about fucking beer. And if you're anything like me, you fucking love beer. So yeah, I had to get, had to get that out. And then you can't talk Gotti without talking... Sammy the Bull, who I'm going to keep calling out so he comes on the highway. I'm not going to stop, Sammy. I'm not going to stop. I'm either going to be murder number 20 or you're going to be guest number 1,000, whatever, something, something. It'll take a while. I know it's going to take a while. You're a ball buster. But Sammy the Bull's podcast on YouTube, fucking phenomenal. I love it. Yeah, we know he's a rat. I don't want to see it in the comments. I don't care. I'm not going to read it anyway. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, but you, I told you I was just here to talk shit. So. Listen, at the end of the day, I mean, I, we, we've got to respect in one aspect. Without rats, there's a lot of information we wouldn't know. Uh, It'd be boring. There's, it's, 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 what would we talk about? Oh, maybe I'll work being an organised crime historian, wouldn't it, without rats? I mean, the amount of FBI files that I've gone through um, with information that obviously have been passed, it's like, oh, it's, imagine a life without it. And, and especially with all the redactions that go on as it is, um, yeah. it's like it's like reading a word search that's already been filled in, but then coloured in. <laughs> it's just, oh, I hate redacted documents. I had one um, quite recently, and it just wasn't. Well, I, I might as well have paid by the letter. Yeah, right. <laughs> rather than the page, <laughs> and it was still it only cost me about a tenner, probably, um, been cheaper. Ah, oh, it's, it's yeah. Some of them was just absolute joke. Yeah, the, well, the rat thing, like you're saying, though, you're talking about rules, and uh, if everybody in, in the mob followed rules, we'd be absolutely nothing to talk they about. Would be, they would all have to be stupid. You would all have to have IQs of 26 to be like, yup, just going to go to my death. Every single one of you, like, come on, eventually somebody's going to be like, yeah, yeah, you know, I really don't want to die for all these assholes. Like, you got to gotta kill somebody that you're not supposed to kill, or you got to break the rules for guys like us to have a podcast about is, it. You is, know a, I mean? is, a, is a chief of gonna police paid. just going to take a backhander, or is a chief of police going to want something in return as well to make it look to the public like he's getting a score as well? They're giving people up left, right and centre. They might not be giving up their own, but they're giving up other people. As long as with a brown envelope, there's a little bit of information because that's what the, that's what the police want. As long as the police can show that they're making arrests, that they're dealing with crime yep. and the chief is getting a backhander, everyone's that's happy. So... At the end of the day, I I I would hazard a guess that ninety five percent of those involved in organised crime in the building of it and everywhere else was not a rat, but but gave right. information, yeah, played right. with the information, yeah, played with information, used information for their benefit. It's very um, Scarper, Greg Scarper, exactly what he done. Whitey Bulger, exactly what he done. The only thing is, we were the they're the ones that we know about because they're the ones yeah. we get told about. They must be thousands of them that have given well, it. Look what happened to, well, to Lepke. Not to law enforcement. Yeah, I mean, Lepke's a good example of that. You know, <laughs> the, the law yeah. enforcement, they needed to show, you know, Hoover and those guys were having no luck finding him at all. And it was becoming really embarrassing. And they, they really needed to to make a, a bust who on done that, that one. What's that? Who put him up? Who put Lepke up? Well, the, it was probably mostly Costello. I mean, one of the reasons that Anastasia was able to convince him that they had a deal made was because he said Frank Costello made a deal with these guys that you won't go to the chair. And he that was believable to him because Frank had that kind of power, but that that was not the case. So they, you know, they had to give him up. It's, it's not necessarily on the fact that they ratted him out, but if they wouldn't have given him up, they would have all suffered. They were going to come after all of them. So, you know. The good of the spider is not the good of the fly. You know, exactly. you had a good run. You know what I mean? I do love when, uh, what was it, Dewey asked him, he's like, where are your powerful friends now? He's like, uh, I'm beginning to wonder or whatever. <laughs> I mean, his, like, his, sto <laughs> his story is crazy. Like the, how he marched, you know, to the electric chair twice, you know, like he got all the way there and they, they, they stopped it. And, and yeah. I think at that point he believed probably still like, well, maybe Frank did 
get something you Come know on, there might right? be something to this but then you know by the, the time it happened again obviously uh, i don't think he died a big a real big costello fan i can take but, that oh, oh, <laughs> I, um, I shared sorry i shared a, oh. a, a, a published a story today on on ncs um about harry pierpont and about how uh in 1934 when he was killed he was killed on or executed on the 17th of october 1934 but on the 22nd of 1934, which was my birthday, not 1934, Ooh. but the 22nd of September, um, they had fashioned, they tried to uh, escape him and Mackley, Charles Mackley had tried to escape. And they'd done exactly what Dillinger had done before, made a gun out of a bar of soap. They dyed it black. Mackley was shot and killed, but uh, Pierpont was shot severely. I mean, he was, he, he was riddled with bullets and they kept him alive. So they could put him in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, hardcore, come man. on. That's, That's a... like what <laughs> the geezer's gonna die anyway. What yeah, we just uh, but apparently there's a guy now, even now, who they can't execute because he's got COVID. <laughs> wow. There's a story on that I can't think of his name, but yeah, there's a story doing around it's now. You're not, well, are obviously. You serious? Are you, you're being serious about that? Well, the COVID one, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's on death row, um, wow. and they How were gonna good. they were gonna execute him, but they couldn't yeah. apparently because he's got COVID. I'm not. I don't know whether or not. I mean, I've read about it, but so I don't know whether or not that's the truth. But what I'm saying is what I read. So no, I, um, I have. It's not something I've just stupid. made up. No, I can see the world being that dumb at this point. They're like, hold on now, we can't execute him. He's, you know, he's got the pandemic. Like, yeah, okay. So I mean, you want me to put a mask on? I'll go in there and do it. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys, need to, you guys need a volunteer. I'll go shoot the guy. Like COVID, you know how long it can take to die from COVID. Unless, but don't forget, executions are expensive. So they might be hoping that he's going to really have a natural be. death. So if he's, why, why waste taxpayers' money when you can? I mean, that's the only reason I can find behind it because it is an expensive operation. It's, and not operation, though, man. <laughs> caliber bullets are not they're not expensive i don't get where uh i don't know what happened where like the hanging thing i get stopping that that don't make no fucking sense like that seems like a lot of work chopping somebody's head off gets a little gratuitous but like yeah man you buy the rifle that's a big chunk of the money i'll give it to you taxpayers each guy's chipping 14 cents because an old pole shooter 22 is like 200 bucks and then the rounds now everybody's really gonna have to buckle down for a penny a year towards execution if they just shot everybody i don't know why they don't just shoot oh. Or stop shooting animals, stop hunting animals, let guys out on death row, take them out into the woods on an island so they can't escape the island and go around there. Yeah. Well, it saves the animals, doesn't it? And these guys are going to die anyway. <laughs> and that was a joke, people. I'm really not being serious. <laughs> Before people arrive. However, I'll probably get a lot of animal lovers agreeing with me. <laughs> yeah, you got PETA on your back. I'm the one they're going to be like, that kid's a psychopath. They're going to be like, <laughs> They're gonna be like, is that kid registered to vote? Like, oh god, like <laughs> how much time we got, Dave? I, I I really don't know. I think we've been on an hour, you know, so yeah, it, um, like it could it. cut out at any. I think we got on about 20 past, so um it's getting close. So I mean I'm happy to, to I've, I've, I think we're kind of following my last comments dragging the bottom of the barrel right now and I want to start to exit the trail. <laughs> so um yeah, Casey I just want to say it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you. We haven't 
I mean, we haven't messaged each other for a while. It's, yeah, it's it nice to meet you face to face. It's great. Yeah, I really, I really, uh, I'm. It, I don't know what to say about all the stuff you're doing, man. You hit the ground running. You've really taken off with all that. And congratulations. Because I started great. in prison, Casey. I started in prison. Work. I knew the pathway that I wanted to take. And I knew what it was I needed to do to get there. So really, this is just validation yeah. of the decisions that I took whilst I was you in still, You still got to do the work, though. I mean, knowing yeah, what course. you're supposed to do. A lot of people don't have that, uh, me, me included. I just don't have the discipline to put my nose to the grindstone like that, like you do. I mean, the, the amount... It's the people. Gary Jenkins, the amount of stuff you guys put out. You guys have never... I'm exhausted just trying to keep up with all the stuff you guys are doing it's, Bro, i can't read as fast as you write like i, I know <laughs> exactly it's uh you're really i mean the success that you're experiencing you deserve it because you really thank you case i appreciate that i really appreciate it and, and it's and it's comments like that that keep me going because um it, it, it again it, it when people believe in you when people um appreciate you it means so much and 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 the more you get it, that's then what you kind of focus on rather than, so it, it, I mean, I love what I do, so it's not work. I mean, I, I don't think I, I do a day's work in my life anymore or an hour's day. It's just so much fun because it's, it's we had a guy over here who was quite high up within kind of education. His name was Sir Ken Robinson and he died a couple of months ago. And he said, it's all about finding your element find out what it is that you love and love doing it and and that's that's kind of where i am it's 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 Good a chance. yeah and and when people give you that appreciation and when people show you that respect and that support you're just like i want to do better next time oh i can't <laughs> wait for the next one i can't and you're on it and it, and it kind of it, it it deflects everything else like the mental health the 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 urge to turn back to crime is not there it it's just such a package it's just yeah it's just i mean obviously people in jail won't get to see this but people that are coming out yeah, of jail let's hope so but people that are coming out of jail if you really do want to change your life change is possible and once you start on that pathway oh it's it's well Look at the comments you just give me there, Casey. So there's proof. That's <laughs> that's the kind of, and you can see how much it means as well. well that's yeah, how I much mean, it means, Casey. Is I said, <laughs> I said a bunch of nice shit in there too, and he didn't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, you're always talking to me though. I know. I know. I know. I'm you talking, guys I'm were how important he is, man. You guys were talking on uh, one of the podcasts too, just about like you know, not reading the comments and stuff <laughs> like that on some of these things. But you know, it's it's tough with this social media thing because there are so many negative. Mm. trolls out there um but it's you know once you kind of get past stop caring what those people think and like you say focus on the people that do get what you're doing and, and are, are appreciating it 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 gives you fuel to do and, that so and you, surround yourself with people that inspire you and yeah that don't annoy you and it's like people like yourself christian seth craig ian rob and uh, all of those guys I've, I've, I've probably noticed, missed some names off so i apologize if i have but you know who you are <laughs> zero i i mean zero they're, just inspires me because they're very similar backgrounds um and they're kind of i'm a few years behind them if you like a year two years behind so it's like they're my they're, i i know what they can achieve and what they've achieved 
So I know what's to come in my own life if I carry on on this path. I stayed up to catch up to you fuckers, man. I'm way behind you. You know, I think it's amazing in this whole, you know, I don't know, genre we're talking about here. Um, I've, the people I've reached out to and I've talked to have been nothing but supportive. And, and I was actually surprised by that. I thought it would be a little bit more competitive and that given the nature of, yeah, you know, given the, okay, given the, the, <laughs> you know, what we're talking Sorry. about, I thought a lot more people would be, you know, would not be I supportive. But... <laughs> was that Ian? Did I forget you say? I said shout out, yeah, shout out Joey Denofio. How are you oh, doing? Yeah. Speaking of that, it's since this is the second time, do you like your show? Two fees? Yeah. Ian? <laughs> so I get paid twice now, right? Twice. Because this is my second appearance. Twice. I owe you 400 fucking dollars, Casey. You'll get it, Valmo. You'll get it, Valmo. I'm good for it. I got a lottery ticket in my hoodie pocket. It's the winner, man. I'm telling you. You know us Irish. We're always good for uh, betting the winners. That's, uh, that's why our, our mob got so far ahead. No, we just couldn't quit killing each other, really. I mean, that's all I was. Hey, Costello got pretty far. He was Irish, right? So. Yeah, right. I actually was going to quote that earlier where he says, I never gave nobody dollars. That wasn't going down anyway. That's Frank Costello, isn't it? Yeah. So, stop doing that. It's annoying for any of us who can read and actually know what we're talking about. And stop saying the Iceman killed fucking anybody. <laughs> <laughs> saying Frank Sharon killed Jimmy Hoffa and J- uh, Crazy Joe Gallo. You're pissing me off. I tell you, Ian, who we want to get on? Larry Matza. We'd love yeah, to see yeah. Larry Matza on. No, I was talking to him early on into it before COVID. I wanted to fly him out and bring him to my house. I was all like, I want to sit there. I love him. Larry's a great guy. Larry's a good... Have you spoke to Larry, Gary? Uh, Casey? I've uh, I never interviewed him, but I, I have you know talked to him through email and stuff. Uh, I was trying to set up an interview with him uh, with Gary because I thought Gary would be you know he'd be great yeah. on Gary's show and stuff. Um, but I, I, they never hooked up for some reason or, or another. But did you, did you catch Gary's last one on uh, the Cuban guy the um, who joined the FBI? Um, I can't remember his name now. Oh uh, yeah, uh, Gar- Garcia. Yeah, Ramos. Yeah. Is it Ramos. yeah, oh, that was a brilliant show. That was that yeah. was one that I really enjoyed. That it was quite funny as well that he was Cuban and they had to sort of look into his background, make sure that he weren't a communist. And I, I don't understand guys like that that can do that job, go undercover like that. To me, that's just my mind doesn't even live in that universe but you know guys that are like you know everybody gives him crap but pistone you know like whatever when they if people call him a rat that's always the funniest thing to me it's like, he's a cop. That's, 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 his job. that's his job you know it's not a rat he's doing how long was, how, what was that it was quite a couple that's two years wasn't it he was undercover with them it was like seven man it was longer than that was it yeah yeah because he works with the colombos at first he works with that shallow joe pistone i'm never going to be able to afford to get you on here um but yeah, uh, Gary. Worked, Gary got him. Yeah, it was funny. Gary's story about getting yeah. getting him on too. He was like, you know, it was all, and, and it, this didn't really occur to me, but I don't know why. But it, it was like difficult to get him because he could. He's still sort of in hiding. He wasn't just going <laughs> to announce where he was or what time he was going to be. So Gary had a, a, a. It sounded like he had a kind of a time nailing him down, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess he probably still does have to be. You know, yeah. reasonable. I feel like I'm gonna pay yeah, me the man. for an episode and not get it for like twelve. And another thing about something I've got to thank Gary for as well, that um, it was Gary that kind of sparked my interest in the Marlborough Diamond. And it was the Marlborough Diamond story that is being published in June in Mitzi uh, Serretto's book, 
the best new true crimes. I know where it is. What's that, the Marble Diamond? I know where it is. Do you? This is the one you guys did that you you and Gary did a show on about, right? And we the, did, it, yeah, it but we didn't nope. finish it. Yeah, we didn't finish the show because Gary done a he turned it into a play, and it, we never got to finish it because I was I was playing because obviously Art and um, uh, Jerry were imprisoned over here. They were in Parkhurst on the Isle of Wight, and Gary saw an opportunity to have a British or an ex prisoner who knows what he's talking about in respect to prison. I played a fictional character that was banged up in prison with Art and Jerry. And Art used to speak to me in confidence. Um, and we uh, and he was telling me about how Jerry wants to get out. They're going to go and do uh, Angelo Lapietra's Le, uh, burgle his house. Uh, and they're going to go and get the diamond back. They're going to look for the diamond. Um, yeah, so, but there's another twist in the story that we haven't spoken about, and nor did me and Gary. And with further research, uh, and and the twist is in the book. I don't want to give too much away, obviously. But <laughs> the book's out in it. June. No, it's available. Mitzi Zeretto, uh, S Z E R E T O, Mitzi, her first name. Check that out. She's on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the Facebooks <laughs> everywhere. But um, yeah, and I'm I'm actually hopefully I'm going to be submitting another story for um, book four. So for that's cool. <laughs> In case you guys didn't know, that was David. I make your podcast. <laughs> Apparently, it's, 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 he said in the waiting room, "No, I don't shop." <laughs> I know. I love when you get like a final, really good, deep thought. And I'm just like, I can't say anything, or I'm going to ruin the show. So we're going to end it. You know what I mean? And Rob even agrees. He's like, "Yeah, no, let's get out of here." I'm like, "Yeah, get out." <laughs> Nobody even say goodbye on that. Everybody just slowly step away. I'm going to hit in. Like for real, you got. Oh, I loved it. Probably like seven or eight now episodes where like if you if you you were to sit there and listen all the way through and you get to the last like anything worth a fuck before we all just jammer goodbye and fucking I cut us out way too early and all that shit like I don't know you, I mean some of them man they're real captivating I've gone back and listened to some of them and been like God I need to shut the fuck up but like David's on point though <laughs> <laughs> always better to have somebody that's gonna talk on your podcast and somebody <laughs> just sits there and doesn't say anything there's some real dud guests out there every once in a while yeah. you'll hear on a podcast and you're like well why did you agree to go on here and talk if you're not gonna say anything <laughs> you know so yeah, they, they, it, it happens, man. You got to coach them through. That's the whole point of being a host, man. I mean, I've, been there. I've been there. Some motherfuckers back themselves into a corner, man. They said all they have to say. You think a lot of this shit's good. That's what happened <laughs> to me in my first couple episodes. That's why they're so fucking short. Like, I thought the myth, the man, the legend, you know how many pages that was? I had like seven pages. And I'm like, I was like, shit, this is do a half hour, 12 minutes in. I was like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Like, and then the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, I stretched a little more. One of my favorite episodes that I did by myself. That didn't get a lot of love, man. I was pissed. Is the Vincent Mad Dog Cole episode, man? I, I dug deep on that motherfucker for that episode. Like, I found everything you could find about Mad Dog Cole. He's one of my favorite, like, random gangsters now because he's just a nut. He's like a Sid Vicious of organized crime. Like, I mean, <laughs> for real, he is. I think he survived in organized crime like two and a half years, three and a half years, something like that. Like, when he started running with like Dutch Schultz and owning that, and they were like, yep, nope, okay, you're dead. We're going to kill you. Like, you're just, you're too much. You don't know what's going on here. You don't get anything of what's going on here. But yeah, that episode didn't get a lot of love. And then shout out to Ronnie Cockroach because he's actually the very first one to come out, Ron Roach. We did uh, Danny Green, and uh, he was great, man. Even though his phone was cut NCS. out. Like, you know, what's up, NCS? Ronald Roach, NCS. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, I, done some I, great I, stuff with NCS, man. They're the, same, they're the same guy? Ron Roach? Like Ron yeah, Roach, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron writes for National Crime Syndicate. He does all the New Orleans stuff. Oh, okay. Right. Are, you, are, you, are you talking about Ron Rawson? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you're talking about Ron Rawson. Yeah, I'm talking about Ronnie the Cockroach from Michigan. I'm talking about Ronnie. Okay, yeah, that, that's a different guy. Oh, yeah. no, I'm wrong. Sorry, I apologize. My bad. Yeah. You guys yeah, no, do, right. you, you should get Ron on here, though. Yeah, Ron Rawson's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ron, yeah. He knows I'm excited stuff. for Seth, man. I'm so pumped Seth said he'd do one. I really didn't expect Seth to write in the back, actually. I've seen him on Vice one night when I was in a hotel. It'd been a rough night, rough day in the tower. And I was like, oh, shit, that's my boy Seth. Like, yeah, and it just made my night better, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I don't know. I guess I always say, like, I'm, like, I'm a fan of you guys because, like, I'm just, like, I'm a fan of, like, super famous people. And to me, a fan is, like, if the person I'm a fan of succeeds, you know, I succeed. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, even if I, even if I don't, I didn't do anything. They did, you know what I mean? But, like, they feel better. So, I mean, I feel a lot better. You know what I mean? Somebody, somebody you like that makes music puts out a song and you're like, yeah, you can tell you were feeling yourself when you wrote this, man. You can tell you were real, like, hell yeah, good for you, man. Good for you. Good for us. Good for this family. You know what I mean? Just like, just like anytime I, I see any, anybody out here, you know, I'm like, hell yeah, man. I talk a lot to Christian Cipollini and um, he's always saying about how, how much he like I inspire him, and it's like he inspires me, and it's really weird when you got your your idol, so to speak, telling him, "Yeah, you inspire me too, bro." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> and like Seth said it as well to me, and he's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> it just yeah. that that because I'm still a fan. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I I love it. I I love that passion side of it. The and so are Seth. So are, so are Casey. So yeah. I think we're all fans as much as we are up there at the top of our game, so to speak. <laughs> you, guys, you guys can be the journalists, man. I'm going gonzo with the whole podcast. You know? <laughs> yeah, I'm that's why I love this. <laughs> that's why like, I love this. You so need great guys. documentary, Casey. What are you talking about? Every time Go I see that Asia documentary, I'm all like, hell yeah, look at that setup. He's uh, all set for a documentary. Just because he, I'm still in it. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you the reason. That, to, be a, to be a part of a video from National Crime Ticket, the Albert Anastasia video, over a million hits, I mean, a million views. So I love that for me has been one of the highlights since coming out of prison. Um, I, I don't know if people will get that, but to be involved in something bigger than you, to be involved with such a wonderful group of guys as well, because obviously there was yourself, uh, Casey, uh, Christian, um, Gunner was involved, Craig was involved. I've done a part of the research with Craig and it was just, to be involved in something like that, I mean, Craig done the majority of the work, obviously. And yeah, he did a lot the video, of work. Paid for the video. Um, a lot of paying the bills, it, too. It's, yeah, I mean, I really am grabbing hold of the coattails on this one, but <laughs> it's still being part of something that hit a million on YouTube. I'm yeah, that was really cool. To, I was really glad that, you know, Craig let me be a part of that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And But like you said, I've never had, you know, being a musician and stuff like that, the idea of a million people Plug your band. Yeah, Casey's music is the your uh, uh, so we can keep a secret to it. There, I I love your tracks, Casey. Oh, your thanks, album, man. Oh, your yeah. album's incredible. I listen to it quite a lot, mainly because it's on one of my podcasts. That I do, so I keep hearing <laughs> hey, it. Shout out so he can plug his band. <laughs> um, I, you know, I. I'm mainly a, a session musician, so I just play with as many people as I can. But um, right now, you know, there's the bands that I'm in. We haven't been playing for a year, but I do. Uh, I have something that I'm working on. The album hasn't come out yet, but it's Gangsters and Ghosts. And it's all um, songs I did that are about <coughs> stories from real gangsters. Um, Jay Michael. Actually, <laughs> yeah, 
Jay Michael did the artwork for it. And actually, that's going to be the cover right there. Right. I don't have a frame for it quite yet, but uh, he I did. I will pay you a fee. Write me an opening track. <laughs> no, I will. I'll, I'll buy a fee. I'll, I support local musicians. I mean, I, you're, I know you live in Oregon. You're not local, but you're American, so whatever. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. J, J. Michael did a lot of the artwork too. I don't know if you can see it back there, but he did one, uh, one for pretty much most of the songs. Like you know, each of the characters. So I got a Costello. There's a Lansky one. There's a Lucky one. There's a, a Marcello one. Got a Gambino one. Th uh, the Vito one. I don't have a Gambino one yet. Uh, I do want to write uh, a song about that. It'd probably be the Lion and the Fox. Be you know one of the lines in there. But uh, <laughs> I got an Ricardo one. And uh, but I got a. I just because of covid i was working in a studio with a, a friend of mine john neff but you know that kind of has been yeah. put into but so i bought my own i got my own little studio down here now so i'm just doing it myself so hopefully oh, it'll yeah. be out talking, talking of working hard jay michael i mean jay michael he makes my look like i do about three hour days or something i mean he's incredible he's See, he, he, He's more like what when I think of a journalist or, or like a real historian, you know, I'm a hobbyist. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. if I get something yeah. wrong, I, you know, sorry, I got it wrong. I don't, I don't have to answer to anybody really, but he's really doing, you know, he's really making books. He's, he's got a, good. Yeah. yeah, he's got a real good thing going there. And, you know, he's, um, he's, he's in the more, he's, for me, he's the all American hero. I mean, I like, for what he does with the, Cal in the Californian fires, he, he's, I think he's National out in God. Germany now serving. Yep. Um, yeah, on, on tour in Germany now, he's just. I just. I, he plays the big bass. He, he, he just. Yeah. He's, I don't his think there is. His wife is fucking. Smoking. Can't do anything. No, no disrespect, <laughs> Jay Michael. No disrespect at all. But like, dude, his wife is smoking, man. Yeah, I had. A, I got to in in 2018 when I was in Vegas with Larry Henry and Gary, and and we did that little oh, mob summit. But I got to go to uh to the. Uh, you know the mall museum and they have the little speakeasy down there but they, they have a secret room down there like you push on the the, the thing and it opens up and uh, you can go in there you're supposed to reserve it but uh i was there with and jay michael and at meyer lansky and, you know we were in there just having beers wow. hanging out and i was i just remember wow. thinking at the time i'm like you know this is all because of facebook you know yeah. like that i got to meet these guys and hang out with them it was it was a treat he was a real he was a nice guy um but like, yeah, he's the kind of guy, like him and Christian, you know, and you, David, you guys are doing like real serious journalism work and stuff. So I'm a hobbyist, Casey. I'm the same as you. I'm you're just... a fucking journalist. Yeah, no, I mean, you, I mean, you got a, you have a cause and you're, you know, you're, yeah. that you're following. I think mm. you're really doing a lot. Um, you're not half-ass writing your shit like I am. I mean, I'm not half-ass writing my column by novel. That shit, that, that's why it's taking so long. No, this Casey. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that was a treat man I, that was really fun to be able to meet him and, and you know well, well, I think we're, very, we're all fortunate really that we've got such a, a great a great group I mean they're, they're, we, 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 although we kind of do a little bit here do a little bit there we are essentially a group and it's like yourself yeah. Casey, Seth, Ian, Rob uh, uh, Larry Henry um, love Har uh, Larry unfortunately we were, we were looking at doing something this year um, in respect of a mob summit, but one over yeah. here. And um, obviously, but something for the future, something to look forward to. We could do like um, a multi-person Zoom type deal. That'd be sweet. Yeah, that, that would be cool, actually. Yeah. We all plug into Sammy the Bull and ask him questions. <laughs> Sammy, Sammy, I want 10% of that idea. You know, you know you heard it here first. And then we can get Dinofio to come in and do the cabaret. Exactly. <laughs> He's gonna charge fifteen hundred dollars a head, and he will have downloaded it. Uh, yeah. 
I'm starting to get warnings, I think. So yeah, I think we're starting to change it. Good talking to you guys. We got we've got a little off the Costello subject, but that's all right. It's fun to just be able to still covered him. See you guys in person and, and yeah, it's and been talk great. A little bit. It's been great. And I I've I've caught the messages I've been getting from you two guys, that's gonna keep me going for another year, that will. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, that's I mean that was my whole goal with the hideaway, man. I wanted mob facts with Hunter S. Thompson and Joe Rogan, if that makes any sense. And boop, you guys, you guys deliver every time, and I love it, and I appreciate it. Shout You're out to everybody man. out there doing it right and professionally and not uh, slapping it together like your boy over here, but I'm having fun, and I'm fucking – I am going to go down for starting some of the, the most podcasts you can. I'm not going to stop. I got a movie one coming out tonight that me and my other buddy are going to do. I got Tilly Time Tuesdays, which is all about hockey fights and hockey enforcers. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to do Hooligans Hideaway at some point. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna get into the mass murder subject, serial killers, all of them. We're gonna do all of them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up fucking. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Message me sometime uh, after this, you know, about uh, I'll. I was gonna talk to you a little bit about microphones and some of the audio stuff that we were talking about. I mean, I don't. Yeah. No, I, I don't know a ton about it, but yeah. uh, I learned a little bit from being in studios from some of the engineers that's kind of rubbed off and stuff. So there's some little tips and stuff that you could do that aren't expensive that will can really help the audio side of it and that kind yeah, of thing. I need a phone that's not shattered. I shattered my phone in a tower a while back and I just haven't it's Christmas time and everybody else coming before me, you know. So but uh, yeah no after yeah send me what uh send me the shit I need man. I got I had I had Rockville at the beginning, but as soon as my phone shattered it's not worth a fuck. Like I have gear but it's just it's not worth anything right now because you plug it into my phone I either can't hear you, you can't hear me, you know, so I have right. to jump into it. So that's where I'm stuck cool. at now. So you know right. but, hey, well it works. Casey, it's good to see you again. You too, man. You guys take care and uh, okay. you, <laughs> looking forward to hearing this conversation. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> so are all the Later. Later. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>